Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Everybody doing good? Everybody have a good 4th of July? Awesome. Well, um, hey, just one more time. Can we give it up for our, our student pastor, our youth pastor, Bryce Harper, and his amazing wife, Sarah? Uh, if, if maybe you're at home and um, uh, you, you, you maybe, maybe you regularly attend a different church, uh, first of all, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, but if you've got teenagers, uh, kids for that matter too, 6th uh, through 12th grades, and uh, you're looking for something to do uh, on a Wednesday night, uh, Sunday mornings, uh, uh, let me, uh, I, I guess the best way I can think to say it is my youth pastor is better than your youth pastor. Um, no, um, in all seriousness though, uh, what a blessing he and Sarah have been in, in their six months um, that they've been with us now, and to come into uh, a cultural situation and, and a world that, that we've been, uh, uh, a hand that's been dealt to us, and, and to not just tread water, but to push it even further, and to take the relationships. If you haven't had a conversation with your teenager about what's going on in their life and their spiritual walk, one, shame on you, parent, but two, be ready to be blown away. Because what you hear from him up here on this stage is the same thing that they're getting over there. Doesn't water it down. He doesn't play games. He just understands that they need a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And we're blessed and excited to have him. Hey, uh, can we just pull me out of the monitors if they're in there? <clears throat> I'm sure you guys love hearing me. I don't. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor John. I'm the administrative pastor here at Family Worship Center. And again, thanks so much for... Uh, uh, for joining us today. i got a few minutes here. We'll jump right in. Um, I was kind of praying uh, when I had the opportunity when the pastor said, hey, will you, uh, will you preach for me? I said, absolutely. And uh, I was just kind of praying, all right, Father, what do, what do you have? What do you want? Uh, and I was kind of looking back, and the last time I actually spoke on a Sunday was last 4th of July. And, uh, and you know, so you sit there and you naturally, you think, okay, i got to do something patriotic or something about freedom, or something like that, and I said, you know what, let's quit making this about me, and start making it about what God wants, and I said, all right, God, so, so where are we going with this, uh, and you know, and forgiveness is just something that's really been rolling around in my spirit the last few months, and I've been in my own time studying, and, and, and beginning to uh, just dive deeper into forgiveness, and, and, and not just what it means for me, but what the effect that it has on my life uh, in order to enact forgiveness. And I thought, okay, well, so we're going this direction. And it's like, no, 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 I can't get that. I said, all right, well, what about healing? And I said, all right, let's look at healing. He's really been dealing with some great scriptures and just a real deep study on healing over uh, the last few months, end of last year and everything. And, and I'm just sitting there and said, okay, healing, healing. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, what ties all of this together? And I said, what do you mean? And this is me and God. You not, you all have conversations with God, right? I hope so, because that's what he wants. He wants a two-way street on communication. Uh, but then he said, what ties it all together? And I said, well, I mean, I mean, the common denominator here is, you know, our authority that we have in Christ. So let's look at that today, can we? Let's look at our authority that we have in Christ. And maybe more specifically today, we're going to look at three questions. I won't take a ton of your time, but I'm going to look at these three questions. First question, what is authority? I guess to know anything, you've got to understand exactly what it is, right? In order to know, okay, our authority in Christ. Well, what's authority? We'll look at that. Uh, second, where does it come from? Where does our authority come from? We'll dive into that as well. And then we'll wrap it up with how do we use it or how do we exercise our authority? So that's the three questions 
I want to look at today. Uh, just real quick, hey, and if you're sitting on your couch at home, um, feel free to uh, uh, raise your hand to this question as well. But how many in here, or how many watching uh, at home, uh, understand or are under some type of authority, like in your job, or if you're uh, under the age of 18 and live at home, guess what? You have an authority figure at home. Uh, but how, how many of us in here sit under some type of natural authority? Okay, yeah. Everybody's hand pretty much should have gone up, right? Right, because we all understand that, uh, like, for example, even here in the business end of a church, uh, my authority, I answer to Pastor Eddie, Pastor Eddie Turner, our lead pastor. He is my, my authority in my job, the business side of things. Um, you know, may, maybe, maybe you are the boss at, at your job. Maybe you're, you're the top dog. And you understand authority from that aspect and that side of things, that authority, that, that you have things that you need accomplished things that you need carried out, things that you need fulfilled. And you assign them, or maybe somebody else's uh, description of their job is, is to reach those markers or to reach those goals or to achieve those things that you've set out for your business or your company. You understand authority and how important it is for you to be able to financially or physically succeed in your job for someone else to enact and follow in that authority. All right? Um, now, growing up... Um, uh, as a teenager, mostly, um, Miss Amanda will attest to this and, and does quite frequently. Uh, for those of you that have met my two boys, uh, my seven-year-old Carter, Pastor Gary's already laughing, uh, my 10-year-old Cole, they are uh, both sides of me. So if you can, especially if you've met Carter, uh, add Cole to him, voila. Um, I was a very fun um, hard to handle kid and teenager and, and and it was all done under the guise of a single parent full-time working mom uh, my parents split when I was pretty young and I was raised by my single parent uh, teacher she taught for 43 years um, she taught a hundred of it in kindergarten uh, for those of you that don't know if you teach kindergarten or first grade in there you get two years for every one um, but, but no so for 43 43 yeah 43 years she's making sure my facts are right here. For 43 years, she taught public school system, or in the public school system, and she understands authority. Now, she also had a fund to raise. We'll just keep it at that, um, uh, young boy. Uh, and, and there's a few things that I learned as far as authority, because authority is typically not questions that are asked. They're usually statements that you have a response to. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to let you know some of the authority that I, that I was exposed to, uh, raised in, uh, and I'm just going to refer to them as my momisms. Okay, these are things that that were said, and uh, feel free to think back on either your childhood or maybe what you said on the way to church this morning that might apply in this situation. Now she was an encourager. I will tell you this. There was, uh, uh, during those 43 years, there were two years she taught first and second grade split, which in, we were in a rural, rural, it's a tough word for me, school. And so because of class sizes, she taught both first and second. And another teacher taught first and second, just to kind of help with the class sizes and so on and so forth. Um, so in, in not only her best interest, but my best interest, during my first and second grade year, she sent me to a completely different school system. Um, maybe that was mostly for her sanity. But, um, but you know, whatever you got to do. But she would always drop me off at, at a friend of mine's house where I would catch the bus to my school. And, and I would be, you know, struggling or I'd had a test that day coming up or something to that effect. And I would always, I would say, I can't do that. And she'd look at me and say, can't, never did anything. 
moms, anybody ever said that, dads? Um, or maybe I was just playing my friends with her. She'd go, where are you going? I said, nowhere. Well, you're going to get there fast. Um, and then she said, she'd say, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. You're right. I hear some people echoing those, so you heard those too. Um, this is something I passed on to my boys. Unfortunately, they took it a little bit different than she meant it. She said, don't start something you can't finish. Um, <laughs> my wife laughs. Uh, first, first or second week of kindergarten, uh, maybe first month, I'll give him a few weeks, uh, got an email from uh, my son's Carter's, my youngest kindergarten teacher, uh, that Carter got into a fight on a playground. Exactly, that was my reaction. Are you serious? I can't even make it to first grade. My kid's already in trouble for fighting. Um, but I guess he took my saying, don't start something you can't finish, a little more literally. He didn't start it, but he did finish it. Um, and then my favorite, the ultimate momism on authority. I brought you into this world, I can take you out. Yeah, so my mom taught me authority pretty early in life. Um, but no, seriously, though, let's, let's look at this, all right? So, so we go back to our three questions. Our first question is, what is authority? Simply put, authority is delegated power. Delegated power. Let's look at the scripture um, and there look at it. Interestingly enough, when we look at uh, Luke chapter 10, Verse 19, we'll look at it here in the King James. Um, if you've got your Bibles or on the screen there, you can read along with me. Verse 19 of Luke chapter 10 in the King James Version says, Behold, I give unto you power, now mark that in your mind, we'll come back to it, to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now if you look there, the word power is used twice. In the first part, back up there for me just a second. On that screen, if you'll look at it, it says the first power, it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on, on serpents and scorpions. In the second part, it says, And over all the power of the enemy. Now we can skip on. If we'll look in the Greek, when we go back and, and do a good word search on that, I, I was not a Greek scholar or a Hebrew scholar or a Latin scholar. Um, I struggled to do what I could with English. <laughs> um, but uh, uh did take Spanish. I was in the Spanish National Honor Society. And in the same semester, I made a C in English. Not sure how that one worked. Uh, straight A's in Spanish. A C in English. And I struggled to order at Taco Bell. Go figure. Um, but in there, it says that first part, it, that first word, power there in verse 19, comes from the Greek... Exousia, exousia, and if you're a Greek scholar and I'm a touch off on that pronunciation, forgive me, exousia, and it literally means authority. It's actually where we get our word, I'll read it right here, execute. So, um, Star Trek fans, not Star Wars, please know the difference, Star Trek fans, thank you, my wife, uh, Star Wars is great too, guys. Star Trek, uh, they would always have a, a command that was given by the captain. And usually it was uh, set in a course for wherever and some moon and wherever. I don't know. And he would look at them and, and the different ones would say, make it so. If you're Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Or the other ones. But, but one of them would look up and he would go, execute. Because he understood. He gave an order. He gave a charge. He gave instructions 
And it was up to his crew or whoever, in this case, was driving the ship. I guess you drive a ship. Whoever was uh, driving the ship to execute. And so that's, that's where our word, our common English word execute comes from. It's from this. So we look at it now. So let's look at it in a little different light. Let's look in the New King James Version where they actually translated it this way. And let's read verse 19 again. It says, behold, I give you the, what's that word? Authority. So you're sitting there and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So power's authority. Authority is that delegated power. I see your wheels turning. We'll get there. So behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, by any means, should hurt you. Real quick, I want to introduce you to somebody. Uh, she's not here in physical form, but uh, I believe uh, we've got a picture of her here. This is Miss Claudia. Um, for those of you, well, let me just ask this. How many have ever driven down Memorial? I've already got hands raised. You know Miss Claudia. If you've driven down Memorial, either when school's starting or when school's letting out, you know Miss Claudia. The picture doesn't do this justice. Literally, you can see she's a crossing guard. She is literally standing in the middle of the street. And let me just tell you, rain, shine, snow, you think the male people get it done. Uh, Miss Claudia always has a smile on her face. She loves her job about as much as anybody I've ever, I've ever seen or known. Um, but but Miss Claudia uh, is the crossing guard at Middle Tennessee Christian School right there at MTCS Drive, or Boulevard, I think it is, and Memorial, okay? Uh, now, on a good day, she's about five foot two, maybe 90 pounds, wearing everything soaking wet. So she is not a physically uh, demanding or demonstrative figure by any stretch of the imagination. But one thing you'll learn from, from Miss Claudia is when she puts that hand up, the entire Memorial Boulevard stops. Now, I struggle to change lanes on Memorial Boulevard, and she can make five lanes of traffic come to a halt in a heartbeat. Now, don't get me wrong. Sweet as can be. Loving woman. Very, very kind. Never seen her upset. She decks out her outfits every holiday that there's a holiday when school's going on. I've seen her, I've seen her wearing bunny ears. Uh, shamrocks, um, uh, uh, you name it, pick a holiday, she dresses up for it because she loves her job. But then the fun part is, is it doesn't matter what she's dressed up for that holiday, everybody still responds when she puts that hand up. Cars come to a complete stop. Why? Because they're scared Miss Claudia is going to come over there, jerk them out of their car, and no, absolutely not. Why, why do you, oh boy, I hope you're answering yes to this question. Why do you stop at a crossing guard station when she puts her hand up? It's the, it's the law. That's what you're supposed to do, correct? It's the authority that she's giving out. But what does she have? What ability does she have to stop your car or to tell you to go? Zero. Zero. Listen to me now. Your reaction to her action has zero to do with her physical ability. Let's turn that over. Your obedience and action in authority under Jesus Christ has zero, zero to do with your ability. 
All right? So I know it's quiet, and I know we're stepping on toes. I don't want to hear you say, which I'm not hearing you say this, don't say this to yourself. God can't use me. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but let me throw this one out to you. And those of you watching at home, stay with me, all right? God has to have you. He's, he needs you. Notice I didn't say just wants you. Notice I didn't say would like to use you. God needs you. We'll get there in a minute. All right, so Miss Claudia, Miss Claudia's out here and she's stopping traffic left and right. The authority that she has been delegated, the power that's been delegated to her is what stops those traffics. Nothing to do with her ability, everything to do with her availability and obedience. All right? So let's move on and look at point two here. Question number two. Where does our authority come from? All right? So if you get in the car after church and your kids are in the back seat and you're trying to, you're, you've already probably entered into an argument with your, your spouse over where do you want to eat? Because guys, let's just go ahead and throw this out there. Where would you like to eat? Oh, it doesn't matter. It matters. So we've gotten to the point now to where I just simply say, where don't you want to eat? Because if you'll throw out a few places and I choose another one, uh-uh, you did not rule that one out, so it's fair game, all right? Um, and she'll throw some crazy ones out, and I'll be like, I don't want to go there. And she goes, well, I was just making sure, all right? But, um, but so where does our authority come from? So we, when you're in your restaurant conversation and you turn around to your kids and go, hey, kids, what did you learn in church today? Or what did you talk about in, in, in FWC kids today? What's their answer always going to be? Jesus. So it's kind of that same Sunday school answer, if you will. Where does our authority come from? It comes from Jesus. So you can go home today, and, and maybe uh, you're talking to your parent that may live in another state, your, your, your older adult parent, and they go, so what did, what did the pastor preach on today? Jesus. So you can simply say that and get away with it. But our authority, guys, comes from Jesus. Let's dive into it just a little bit more. If you look with me in Matthew chapter 28, we'll look at verses 18 and 19. Uh, again, let's look at it in the King James Version. Verse 18 starts and it says, And Jesus came and spake, or spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Just like we did last time, for whatever reason, the King James Version decided not to translate this. Same word power there is that same Greek word exousia. So now let's read it in the New King James with it translated. All right, so the New King James, there it reads like this. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. All right, so now let's just visualize or picture, if you will, Jesus uh, is, is up on the mountain. He's getting ready to ascend, and he's speaking to the, those that are closest to him and the few more that have gathered around him. These are the guys that have walked this earth with him for the last three-plus years. Know him better than anybody, so they think. And then he looks at them, and he says, All right, now all authority has been transferred or given unto me. And then what does he say? Start of verse 19. 
Go therefore. Right? Go therefore. I love, uh, I've heard this said by a bunch of different people, a bunch of different ministers, preachers throughout time, uh, several I've served under. Now we say, every time you see the word therefore, figure out what it's there for. So right here at the start of verse 19, we already recognize and we understand that God, our, our, our creator, has given the power or the authority to exercise that power unto his son Jesus. And now here at the start of verse 19, Jesus looks at you. He looks down and he says, Gary, because power has been transferred to me, now I'm transferring it to you. Go therefore. Because Jesus understood that in order for us to accomplish what he needed us to accomplish throughout the rest of time until his return, that delegated power had to be transferred to us. We couldn't do it on our own merit. We couldn't do it on our own um, um, volition or our own uh, initiative or our own drive. As strong as we may be, as emotionally stable as some of us may be, as, as physically uh, adept to, to go as we may be, all of that pales in comparison to the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us, prompting us and giving us that delegated power to go. Jesus said, my goal is to make uh, disciples of everybody. I need everybody to understand and come to a saving knowledge of who I am. But I can't do this. On my own. So he said, therefore, I need you to go. I need you to go. So he transferred that power or that authority to us. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about Miss Claudia earlier. And she comes in physically, nothing demonstrative like we said. Small of stature, lightweight, (laughs) A good uh, Murfreesboro summer storm, and you know we'd be anchoring her down. But where does her delegated power come from? Why do you obey the authority when she either puts that gloved hand up and says stop, or turns it over and in that slow, repetitive motion begins to say, "Come on, it's okay to come now." Has nothing to do with her, but it has everything to do with what's behind her. So we look and say, okay, so what's behind Miss Claudia? Well, Miss Claudia is employed by the Rutherford County School System. That division of the crossing guards is very similar to your SRO officers that are in your school. And they're backing, in this case, from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. So when she stands out in the middle of Memorial, I've been to New York City, Manhattan, during rush hour walking, because I'm smart, down the sidewalk, and I've looked over and seen absolute gridlock. Memorial Boulevard's about as close as you're going to get to that, especially on a Friday afternoon, you know? But what she's able to do is she's able to control everything because of the authority that's been given to her and the power from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department and the Rutherford County School System. Because it's no different than if our Sheriff himself were standing in the middle of that road, gun on his hip, taser, whatever, all geared up like we, we see Officer Harry with, and says, stop. You're going to obey. Because why? There's consequences if you don't, right? Yeah, you can get a ticket, you know, maybe pull over, whatever the consequences happen to be. 
but it's the power that's behind her that pushes her. And so we look at our third point here. It says, how do we exercise our authority? Or how do we use that authority that we've been given to us? We understand what authority is. We now understand where our authority comes from. So how do we use it? Real quick, I'll read this. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 21. Follow along, if you will. It says, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope in his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? In the saints. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? In verse 20, I want you to catch this. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. It goes on and it says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And if we look at verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 2, it makes the connection to verse 20. It says, uh, well, I'll start in verse 4. It says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even, even when we were dead to trespasses or even when we were still in sin, made us alive or quickened us. Together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. Verse 6, catch this, what it says right here in verse 6. And raised us up together. Raised us up together and made us to sit in the heavenly places. Remember what it said there in verse 20? It says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. For those of you, especially our military that we have in here today. You understand that when you sit on the right side. Of whoever's in charge. That's often considered the seat of authority. Am I right? Because when Jesus was raised up. And seated at the right hand of God the Father. The authority that he had in him. Was transferred to us when he said go therefore. When he said go therefore. So we take the authority. That's been transferred to us. And we begin to enact it. In our lives. You guys have heard the scripture many a times. I'm sure. That said what? Faith without works is what? What good is authority? We may understand exactly what it is. We may have a scriptural. Biblical understanding. Of how it works. But what good is it? If we don't begin to use it. Another momism for you. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it, right? So I encourage you. Let's look real quick. <laughs> I've said that twice now, haven't I? We look back at chapter 19. So what do we have authority over? Uh, excuse me, verse 19, uh, Luke chapter 10. Uh, I'm reading in the New King James. It says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Here where he's talking about serpents and scorpions, he's referring to the devil and, and, and spiritual, uh, um, co- his spiritual cohorts, if you will. 
Uh, and those things that the devil has created, the things that the devil has produced. Let me tell you this right now. I'm going to go ahead and end this argument. That guy that you work with at work was not created by the devil. You may think he is. He may act like or she may act like she is. But they were created by the same creator that created you. We cannot exercise our spiritual authority over other people. Let me say that again on this side. They didn't like it. We can't exercise our spiritual authority over the will of someone else. We can absolutely pray that the Holy Spirit began to quicken them. That the Holy Spirit, what's it say in Ephesians? That the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened. Absolutely. But I'm telling you right now, the will of an individual is their choice. It's the way God created us. And we can't tell them how they have to act. It's not our responsibility. Not our responsibility. We can't tell them what to do. Now, they may be placed in, in the workforce under you, and you've got policies for that. But as far as their spiritual walk, it's up to them. They have to make that choice. All right? Um, I'm going to close with this real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. I'm not going to read it all. But it begins to go through and talk about how the church or, or Big C Church, I'll put it that way. I don't want to put it down to a small category. But the Big C Church, that we're like a giant body, if you will. Many members, some of us are thumbs, some of us are shoulders and knees and even baby toes. And I got great stories on baby toes and their importance. But the bottom line is it takes everybody to make up a body. But nowhere in there does it say, so-and-so is the head. No, it simply says, let's read it there. Verse, 12, uh, excuse me, verse 27 of chapter 12 says, Now you are the body of what? Of Christ. And members therein are individual members. Or members individually. Christ is the head. You know, he can turn and look and do wherever he wants. He's got his eyes set for a coming kingdom. He's looking around going, that person right there is who I need to minister to today. But then he needs his body to operate in the authority that they've been given. To be obedient and act out of love and compassion to carry out his will. Remember earlier how I said, he doesn't just want us to do something. He hasn't just asked us to do something. He needs us to do something. You know, we talk around here in, in our growth track class that we want to do something with somebody to make a difference. The authority that Christ has given you is that opportunity for you to begin to act and make a difference. Be sensitive. Pray. Say, Father, don't, don't always go to the Father, which we do. Oh, I need this. I need that. Go to the Father and say, who do you want me to reach today for you? That's what our authority has been given to us for. So maybe you're sitting in here today with every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you say, Pastor John, I've never had that opportunity. I know who Jesus is. Raised in America, it's hard not to. But I've never 
ask him to be the power behind my life. I've never asked him to come into my heart, to change me, to cleanse me, to save me. And if you're sitting out there today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you for the world, but I do want to pray with you. So if you're out there and you say, Pastor John, I need to have a relationship with this Jesus. Real quick, real quick, just slip your hand up. I'm looking across this room real quick. Yes, thank you. Thank you, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else? If you slipped your hand up, if you slipped your hand up. All right, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's all say this prayer, can we? Can we just to put those that, that, that may be a shy, maybe you should have raised your hand, you wanted to, but just something was holding you back. So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son to live a sinless, perfect life and to lay it all down for me. I believe that he was crucified on a cross buried in that tomb and then you raised him back up he shed his blood for my sins that I might be clean and live eternally with him and I thank you in Jesus name amen now if, you, if that was you if you said that prayer Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you just got to get some things right, that rededication as they call it. I want to know about it. So we're going to dismiss here in just a second. I'd love an opportunity to talk to you and pray with you a little bit more. Katie and I will be right up here at the front as we close. And I just encourage you, come say hi. Just share with you. Because that's success. That's a measure of success in the church for me. Not about how many uh, people we had in attendance. If only two people show up and one of them gets saved, that's pretty good percentages. Because it's nothing about us. It's nothing about our programs. It's nothing about our children. But it has everything to do with lives that are changed and into the kingdom of God. So let me pray a prayer, prayer blessing over you. Father, I just thank you for this, this amazing congregation. I thank you, Father, that you've given us the opportunity to become disciples of you, Father. That you've shown us your authority and it's up to us to act it out, Father. So, Father, we thank you. I pray a blessing over this church that they won't even have room to contain, Father. I thank you, Father, that that they are healthy, that they are whole. Sickness and disease can't come nigh them, Father. I thank you for keeping them safe as we go and bringing them safe back again next week, Father. And we ask all of it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great afternoon.